Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. I wonder if you know what it's like to be stuck, uh, to find yourself in a place with no way forward and no way out. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was driving across town. I was going to pick my kids up from daycare at the end of the day, and it had been one of those long, tiring, stressful kind of days. And and yes, even we pastors sometimes have those kind of days. So I'm driving across town and I get on I-40. It's about 5.30 in the evening, so everybody else in the entire triangle is also trying to get on I-40 at the same time. And when I turn on to the on-ramp, instead of accelerating, suddenly I have to slam on my brakes because up in front of me, there is some kind of traffic jam and and all the cars have just come to a dead stop and I'm actually still on the on-ramp and some of the cars behind me on the ramp are like backing up and and going out to to try to go a different way I would have considered that but the car behind me wasn't going anywhere and the worst part of all was that right in front of me was this big white 18-wheeler, it was blocking my view, so I couldn't see how far this traffic jam extended. I couldn't see how far everything was backed up. I'm just stuck here with no way forward and no way out. And and I'm sitting there and I'm just kind of stewing on this situation. And I'm thinking, oh, this is just great. You know, now I'm gonna be late to pick up my kids and they're gonna think that I'm some kind of a deadbeat dad because all the other parents could get there and pick up their kids on time. I'm gonna have to pay the stupid late fee to the daycare. The teachers are going to be mad at me because they have to stay overtime waiting for me to show up when I get home. My wife's going to ask me why I didn't just leave work a few minutes earlier to avoid as if this is somehow my fault. And and looking back, I might have been blowing all of this just a little out of proportion. But when we're stuck, that's kind of what we do, right? When we're stuck, we get bitter, we get angry, we start blowing things out of, of proportion. And when we get stuck, we can move pretty quickly into this feeling of despair. Uh, Maybe you know that feeling when you're stuck in a job that you don't like or you're stuck in a relationship that's not what you want it to be or you're stuck emotionally in a place of grief or a place of disappointment you you can't see a way forward and so this this sense of despair starts to to creep in and all the bitterness and, and anger that tend to come with despair I think we see this a lot on a social level right now don't we You know, our society is so polarized. Uh, We're divided as a society on just about every major issue. Everybody's entrenched in their positions. It makes it so hard to make any kind of progress. And because of that, so often it can feel like socially and and politically, we're just stuck. And I think that explains a a lot of the bitterness and, and the anger that we see in our society right now. This is just what happens when we can't see a way forward. Well, back to my traffic jam on on I-40. So I'm sitting there, I'm on the on-ramp, I'm still just stewing in my bitterness, and probably about five minutes goes by, and I really haven't gone anywhere. I mean, we're just like inching forward, I'm inching along behind this big 18-wheeler, and then finally we get to the end of the on-ramp, and as the 18-wheeler pulls forward, uh, suddenly I can see this cop car on the shoulder of the road, and in front of the cop car, I can see this other car that had been stalled out, and 
apparently the, the cop had just helped this stalled out car get over uh, out of the on-ramp off to the, the side and the shoulder. And as it turns out, that was it. This stalled car on the on-ramp had actually been the only thing causing this whole traffic jam. And I couldn't see it before because this big 18-wheeler had been blocking my view. And so I'd assumed that this traffic jam stretched for miles. I assumed that I was going to be stuck there for like an hour. Uh, but as it turns out, I was only sitting there for like five minutes. The, the traffic jam was, was pretty small. I ended up making it to the daycare with plenty of time to spare. I wasn't even almost late. Everything worked out just fine. Well, that whole situation uh, was a good reminder that when we find ourselves stuck, uh, oftentimes there is a way out we just can't see it yet. When we find ourselves stuck, oftentimes there is a way out. We just can't see it yet. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Uh, if you worshiped with us online last week, you know that we're in a sermon series right now that's called Road Trip, Choosing the Way of Change. Last week we talked about how there's just something about road trips, that there's something about uh, getting out on the, the open road, getting out away from home. It can help us to see things in new ways. It can give us new perspectives. It can be transformational in different ways. And that's one of the reasons that throughout the Bible, as God is working to change people, as God is working to change the world, God is constantly sending people on all these different transformational road trips. In this sermon series, we're looking at one of the most influential road trip stories in the entire Bible, and that's the Old Testament story of the Exodus. It's the story of how God takes the ancient Israelites and God changes their status, and God changes their identity, and God changes their location by giving them a new place to call home. And to bring about all of that change, God leads the Israelites on a road trip. In this series, we're following along with that journey. And as we do, uh, we're getting helpful insights about how we can better navigate change in our lives, especially the kinds of change that God calls us to make. Today, we're going to look at uh, what, what happened when the ancient Israelites were in a place where they got stuck. And they learned something that was super important and super helpful. And as it turns out, it is just as important and it is just as helpful for us today. Well, we are picking up the story in Exodus chapter 14. Uh, and here's the background just to, to catch you up. Uh, the ancient Israelites, they had been in a really bad situation. They were slaves in Egypt. And the king of Egypt, who was called Pharaoh, he treated the Israelites brutally. Uh, they were suffering. They were oppressed. The Israelites cried out to God, and God heard their cry. God decided to rescue the, the Israelites from Egypt. God promised to lead them out of slavery, uh, to teach them how to be the, the people of God, to give them this new land to call home. And in order to make all of that happen, God leads the Israelites out of Egypt on this road trip. And last week we talked talked about Moses, you remember. Uh, God calls this guy Moses to be the one to lead the Israelites out of Egypt onto this, this promised land. And Moses was very reluctant at first, to say the least, but then finally he agreed. That's kind of where we left off last week. And here's what's happened since then in the story. Uh, so Moses, he goes and he confronts Pharaoh. Moses goes and he says, Pharaoh, I'm here with a message on behalf of God. And Pharaoh's like, which God are you talking about? And Moses says, the God. And God says, let my people go. 
and Pharaoh just laughs at him. He's like, are you nuts? You know, I'm not giving up all this free labor. I'm not letting all these slaves go free. So then God gets involved and God starts sending all these different plagues on Egypt, you know, flies and frogs and diseases and, and things like that. And Pharaoh, he obviously wants the plagues to stop. So he agrees to let the Israelites go free. Uh, but then the plagues stop and then Pharaoh changes his mind and he decides, no, I'm not going to let the Israelites go. So then God starts sending more plagues again. And then Pharaoh wants the plagues to stop. So he says the Israelites can go free and the plagues stop. And then Pharaoh changes his mind again. And he says the Israelites can't go free. And this just goes on and on. And finally, after the 10th plague, Pharaoh's had enough. And he says, okay, I mean it this time. He says, you Israelites, you pack up your stuff and, and you get out of here. So the Israelites do. They, they pack up all their stuff, and Moses starts leading them out of Egypt, and thus begins the Exodus road trip. Well, they hit the road, and at first, everything seems fine. The Israelites are walking along behind Moses. They're enjoying their newfound freedom. They feel like they're on easy street now. I mean, their biggest worry is just like, when's the next bathroom stop? Everything seems good. But then they run into... A problem. This road that they're following, it leads right up to the, the Red Sea, and then it just stops. It just kind of dead ends there at the water. Now, normally that wouldn't be the, the end of the world. Under normal circumstances, they could just backtrack a little bit and find another way around the sea. It's kind of like when you miss your turn on a, on a road trip. It's annoying, but you can turn around and, and find your way. But the problem is that as they turn around, they look up the road, and suddenly they realize they are in a world of trouble because once again, Pharaoh has changed his mind. He doesn't want to let the Israelites go after all. And he's so angry that the Israelites have left Egypt, even though he gave them permission to leave. He's so angry that he rounds up his entire army, uh, foot soldiers, chariots. We're told there was actually over 600 chariots and Pharaoh leads this entire army to go and attack the Israelite people. So the, the Israelites look up the road and, and this is what is coming at them, this entire army. And they know they need to make a run for it, but there's nowhere to run. They've got the Red Sea on one side. They've got the whole Egyptian army coming at them from the other side. And that means they are stuck and they are stuck in a major way. Just like some of the situations that we've faced in our lives, there is no way forward and there is no way out. So what do you think the Israelites do in that moment? Well, they do exactly what we do when we're stuck. They start to despair. And just like us in their despair, they get really bitter and they get really angry. They, they start turning on Moses, their leader, and they get all sarcastic. They get all snarky with them. This is verse 11 and, and verse 12. It says, they, they said to Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the desert? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt like this? Didn't we tell you, they said, that when we tell you the same thing in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us work for the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to work for the Egyptians than to die out here in the desert. In other words, they're saying, Moses, it is your fault that we're stuck here with no way forward and no way out. 
Now let's put ourselves in Moses' shoes for, for just a second here. You know, Moses, as the leader, he could have gotten distracted by all of that criticism. Uh, Moses could have fallen into despair himself. I mean, Moses sees the same thing that everybody else sees here. Uh, Moses sees that they're stuck. Moses sees that there is no way out of this situation. But here's the difference between Moses and everybody else. And please don't miss this. This is so important and I'm serious. This can change our lives if we will take this to heart. The reason that Moses doesn't fall into despair with everybody else is this. Moses knows that God can see things that he can't see. Moses knows that God can see things that he can't see. From God's perspective, God can see all kinds of things. And plus, God can do all kinds of things that Moses himself can't do. And what that means is that even though the Israelites all feel completely stuck, even though they can't see any way out, Moses knows that with God, there is always more than meets the eye. With God, there is always more than meets the eye. So Moses stands up in front of the people uh, and he says this. He says, don't be afraid. In other words, stop despairing. He says, stand your ground and watch the Lord rescue you today. And that is exactly what happens. God tells Moses, stretch out your, your shepherd's rod. Sh stretch out your hand, God says, over the, the water of the Red Sea. And suddenly the, the whole Red Sea just splits in half. And suddenly the Israelites see that now they do have a way out. After all, they couldn't see it before. It wasn't even there before. But after all their anger and bitterness and, and despair, they end up just being able to, to walk uh, through the, the Red Sea. They just walk over to the, the other side and God protects them from the Egyptians. And not only do they not die like they thought they were going to, but we're told that their shoes didn't even get wet as they walked through the path that God made for them through the Red Sea. Everything worked out just fine. Well, do you see the lesson here? Uh, the, the lesson that God teaches these Israelites right here at the beginning of their road trip is that God specializes in making a way where there is no way. God specializes in making a way where there is no way. And I think the reason that God teaches that to the ancient Israelites right here, right up front, right as they're setting out on this journey with God, is because this is not some minor attribute of God. You know, this is not something God only does on occasion like a side hustle. This is God's primary hustle. This is who God is. Uh, th this is why in the New Testament, when Jesus shows up, you know, God comes to us in person and Jesus teaches us this exact same thing. Jesus teaches this to us over and over and over again. I mean, just, just think about how many times Jesus' disciples felt stuck. Think about how many times Jesus' disciples fell into despair. You know, one day they're, uh, they're out on a boat uh, with Jesus and suddenly this huge storm comes up uh, upon them and you know the wind is whipping the boat around and the waves are crashing over the side of the boat and the boat is beginning to sink and the disciples are, are freaking out because they see no way out. I mean, they just know that they're gonna die and Jesus, who has somehow been sleeping through this whole storm, that they finally wake him up and he wakes up and he just tells the storm to stop and it does. And suddenly everything is calm and, and peaceful 
again. Jesus makes a way where there is no way. One day, uh, the, the disciples are, are out in the middle of nowhere, and they've got this crowd of over 5,000 people. All these people have come out to hear Jesus preach that day out in the middle of nowhere, and, and it starts to get late. And this massive crowd of people, everybody starts to get hungry, and there's nowhere around to get food for all of these people. And the disciples, they start freaking out because they've got over 5,000 hangry people on their hands. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't see any solutions. They're just stuck. And what does Jesus do? He takes a couple of loaves of bread that they had on hand and a couple of fish, and somehow Jesus just multiplies all of that food, and they end up being able to feed this massive crowd of people. And everybody goes home stuffed. Jesus makes a way where there is no way. The ultimate example, of course, is on Good Friday. You know, the disciples have abandoned Jesus uh, the disciples have denied that they're Jesus' followers. Some of them have denied they even know Jesus. Some of the disciples are watching from a distance as Jesus gets crucified. And then he's dead. And he's gone. And it's just all over. There's no way forward. That The Jesus movement has literally come to a dead end. But then comes Easter Sunday, just a few days later, and Jesus rises again, and he's alive Again, he makes a way where there is no way, even through death itself. God just shows us over and over and over again that this is who God is, and this is what God does. And God wants us to know this, and God wants us to believe this, and God wants us to remember this every time we feel stuck. Uh, this is a, a lesson that uh, God continues to, to teach me in a very, uh, on a very personal level. And I, I can be a slow learner, as, as you probably gathered from my traffic jam story earlier. It doesn't always take much for me to, to fall into despair over stuff. And I must admit that last year, right about the time that the pandemic hit, uh, I, I had a moment. Um, some of you were involved with Kindred back then. And, and you remember, I mean, the pandemic hit and it disrupted our whole launch. Um, you know, we had never done online ministry of any kind before. Honestly, I wasn't sure how we were going to move forward. And, and I had a moment there where I didn't see how we were ever going to do music online because it wasn't safe for the band to get together and record. I didn't see how we were going to be able to move our, our small groups online. I didn't see how people were going to actually participate on small group over Zoom. I didn't see how any new people were going to want to join Kindred Church when we couldn't do anything in person. I felt like, wow, we're, we're just stuck. And, and I don't really see the way forward. And in hindsight, it's like God was teaching me, hey, it doesn't always matter what you see from your perspective. It's like God was telling me what matters is what I see and what I'm doing. And I am making a way even where you don't yet see one. What I didn't see at the time was that God had already been putting the pieces in place to make a way forward for us. You know, right before the pandemic, we had just hired Ty Harmon, now, now Ty Berenson, to, to be our worship leader. 
And when, when the pandemic hit, you know, I'm freaking out, but Ty didn't miss a beat. And she immediately came up with this super creative way for the band to still be able to record music even without getting together. And she led the band flawlessly through this season, even though uh, coordinating all of that took so much work and it was very different from the job that she had signed up for, but she did it anyway. We ended up with amazing online worship music. Another thing I didn't see at the time was that just before the pandemic hit, we had started working with this super talented videographer on, on this other project. And when we suddenly had to start doing worship services online, he took over our worship videography. And he's been able to help us put together these online services where the videography rivals some of the biggest well-funded churches in the country. It's been pretty amazing to see. Another thing that I didn't see at the time was that all of you we're not going to let a pandemic stop you from participating in Kindred Church. You guys kept showing up online. You guys kept giving. You guys kept inviting your friends. I could go on and on and on. Uh, the, the point is, I didn't see the way, but ultimately that didn't matter because God saw a way and God made a way. And now in other areas of my life, whenever I'm feeling that sense of, of oh no, I'm, I'm stuck, uh, I can look back at that experience and it's a reminder that our God is a God who parts the sea. And our God is a God who calms the storm. Our God brings life even out of death itself. God specializes in making a way where there is no way. So I wonder if there is some part of your life where you feel stuck right now. I wonder if there's some place where you're feeling a sense of, of despair, uh, and maybe you'll notice it because it's where you feel bitterness, it's where you feel uh, anger. It, it could be in your career, it could be in a relationship, it could be in your general outlook on society. And I wonder, uh, how would it change your mindset? And how would it change your approach to remember that, that God can see things that you can't see? And God can do things that you can't do. And that, that God specializes in making a way where there is no way. I'm pretty sure that would make you less bitter. Pretty sure it would make you less angry. I'm pretty sure it would make you more hopeful and more engaged. I think it would make you more loving to all of the people that God has put around you in your life. And that's what God wants for you, ultimately. And that's what God wants for me. And not just for us, not just for ourselves, but you know, Jesus tells us that as his followers, uh, we're to be the light of the world. Uh, we're called to shine the light of hope. We're called to shine the light of love into this dark world that is so overwhelmed, so often with, with despair. We get to be the people who share the message that even when it looks like there is no way out, e even when it feels like you're stuck, you don't have to despair. Because the, the God who created this world, the God who created every single one of us, the God who came into this world and lived and died and rose again to save this world, that God is a God who specializes in making a way. Let me pray for us. O oh God of love, God of life, this morning, Lord, we pray especially for all of those who are in a place where they're feeling stuck.
stuck. Uh, whether that's stuck in their career, stuck in a relationship, stuck emotionally, financially, uh, maybe they feel like they're stuck in a, a situation medically and they, they don't see the way forward. God, uh, we, we pray that you would help remind them that you are a God who specializes in making a way. God, empower us as your church, as your people. Empower us to be people who believe that, who trust in that, Lord. Empower us to be people who share that message and that outlook. Because so many people in this world around us are overcome with despair, and it's leading to anger and bitterness in their lives. And, and we know that that's true because we sometimes see it in our own lives as well, God. Uh, but we know that with you, there is always more than meets the eye. And we know that you will lead us through even when we can't see how that's possible. God, in those dark times of despair, uh, help us to comfort one another with these words. In those dark times of despair, help us to look back and remember all the ways that you've led us in the past and all of the things that you've gotten us out of in the past and all the things you've led us through in the past so that we can grow ever more confident that you are here with us, that you are guiding us, that you are making a way. We pray all of this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.